to Have Hope Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson. It is always so fun to get to have new friends on the show because I learn a whole lot. And it's really fun to get to have old friends on the show. I just called you old. Um, my friend, <laughs> that's a great way to start it off. Calling our guest old. Sorry. Um, this week is a longtime friend. My friend Isalee Sanderson is coming on the show to share a little bit about her story. One of the beauties of Isalee, so she and I have known each other since college. And the fun part about the show is getting to hear first person stories. So individuals sharing their own stories and their own perspectives. What's unique about Isalise's story is that her story is dependent on someone else's story. Isalise is a coda, a child of deaf adults. And so her experience is a little bit different being a hearing woman with deaf parents. So Isalise, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so good to be on here and to see your face, old friend, even though we're young. <laughs> we're, we're totally young. We're totally, you're not any older than I am. We've known each other since college. <laughs> so Isalise, welcome to the show. Um, thank you so much for your time and for your willingness to share a little bit about your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It's a joy. Yeah. So let's jump right in. Like, where do you live? Who are you? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I'm Isley. Um, I currently live in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Um, we really love it up here in the upstate of South Carolina. We have quick access to North Carolina, Tennessee, all the places, Georgia. Lovely. Yeah, so it's really cool here. Um, let's see, as you introduced me, I'm a, a child of a deaf adult, actually adults. Um, my mom and dad are both deaf, which led to me wanting to become a sign language interpreter one day. Yeah. So I always was kind of teetering between, I always wanted to be a teacher for the deaf or an interpreter. I want to be a missionary. Like I just had so many, like whatever I wanted to do, I knew it absolutely incorporated sign language mm -hmm. and the deaf community and culture. Yeah. So I ended up becoming a freelance sign language interpreter and I've interpreted in so many places and um, mm -hmm. scenarios. And that's been such a blessing to be able to provide communication in that way. And I thank my yeah. parents for teaching me sign language. For sure. Um, yeah. So um, that kind of led me to go to Gardner-Webb where mm -hmm. we went together and yeah, I majored in American Sign Language, which was kind of ironic because people are like, isn't that kind of cheating? And I'm like, <laughs> people major in English all the time. Why can't I like major in a language that I already know? You? Yeah, but <laughs> I have an English major, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it wasn't quite cheating, but throughout taking the classes, I realized, wow, there's so much depth within the language that I've, I've known my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um and, you know, studied Spanish. That was a, a minor of mine. And then um, I was doing psychology, but then decided to do interpreting because a friend was encouraging me, like, just do interpreting. Like, you may, like, you're interested mm -hmm. in it. And I'm so thankful that I did. Um, uh, so I did the interpreting program yeah. there. Um, and while I was there at Gardner-Webb, that's kind of how I met my now husband. I'm really? I didn't yes. know this part of the story. Yes, unknowing hmm. Alan um, was a senior and now it's a freshman. And wow. he graduated and I graduated. And then we, he lived in Florida and I was living in Puerto Rico. Because <laughs> you were a missionary in Puerto Rico. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and then we both came back to South Carolina and was working at the South Carolina School for the Deaf and the Blind. Um, and at that time, he was a resident advisor, so an RA within the dorms. And I was full-time as an interpreter 
um, on campus and in the community. So we met and that's kind of how our story went about, dated, you know, got married. We have two beautiful children. So mm -hmm. I know that was a long introduction. But that's, that's awesome. Kind of everything in a <laughs> that's helpful. I did not realize that Alan went to Gardner-Webb as well. Because when you were a freshman, I was still in high school because you were a couple years ahead of me. So he and I would have not, not been there at the same time. So I didn't know that. Yeah. Being a CODA, you grew up learning sign language? Yes, yes. Okay. So sign language was primarily my first language. Um, I signed before mm -hmm. I spoke and then just eventually, you know, picked up spoken English as well. Sure. Do you mind if I ask how you picked up spoken English? I never did. <laughs> I'm glad you got it. <laughs> a lot of people are like, what? They don't respond when I said, I never learned how to speak English. And right? Like, wait a minute. What are you wait, speaking? Wait, right how's now? this working? <laughs> took me a second. I was like, wait a second. There we go. <laughs> um, I just picked it up naturally. I have an older sister who was hearing. So I suppose just listening to her sure. um, television, um, being around you know, daycare and stuff like that. Sure. Where that spoken English from. Yeah. So, um, just super grateful for that because I've met some yeah. other coders who have not learned sign language. So there sure. um, are different, just yeah. different coders out there. Everyone's experience wow. different, but similar. Sure. How do the coders who haven't picked up sign language communicate? It varies. I know okay. that I um, worked at a camp center kid. Mm -hmm. um, and had taught the track sign language. And so I've had a couple of CODAs who've come in, some who have signed, um, yeah. but I do remember one CODA sitting in my class and she's saying, hey, my mommy's staff. And I was like, that's awesome. You know, you're a CODA. And she's like, oh, I didn't know what that meant. Mm. Um, and she said, I wanted to take this class so I could talk to my mom. Wow. And like, wow. And I was like, well, how do you talk to your mom? And she's like, I just try to talk really loud. Mm. <laughs> um, so I guess, well, you know, more the oral approach reading yeah. lips yeah um if the parent had some residual hearing they probably sure. for them so each sure. each kind of experience is different but yeah, I'm just for sure. thankful my parents taught me full access mm -hmm. and the language to be able to not have a barrier or yeah. to never not feel heard you know right. what I mean seen actually right. yeah do you find yourself more comfortable in ASL or in English um it varies on the situation but okay when things get emotional, um, I typically go to my, you know, my L1, my first sure. language, yep. ASL. So <laughs> that's my, that's my comfort language. Sure. Um, and a lot of our, our close friends and our family about me and my husband, they kind of make fun of us because even though I'm hearing, um, mm -hmm. they call me the deaf one and they're like <laughs> deaf because I grew up with such a strong, sure. like, cell, deaf family. And my yeah. husband grew up, um, in a hearing family. And so oh, wow. his first language was spoken English and sure. So event progressively lost his hearing over time. Sure. And then learned sign language while he was in college. So okay. sign language is still newer to him. So we're kind of opposite <laughs> like the deaf one and he's the hearing one in our relationship. That's and really funny. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. Um, <laughs> but just a quirky tidbit about Alan and I. <laughs> I love it. I would never, I make sense. I would not have thought about it that way, but that not knowing Alan, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Being the child of a deaf adult or deaf adults, like, why does it matter? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it matters 
to me because I cannot speak for of all of course. Of but, course. Um, it's such a, a gift from the Lord that I yeah. didn't really think about or knew about until maybe once I entered college. Okay. Um, growing up, I, you know, that, that was my norm of mm. just, you know, growing up in a household with sign language. And then once I went into elementary school, I remember signing to my peers and they're looking at me like, what are you doing? Mm. And I went back home and I'm like, mom, dad, like, they're so like, they're so dumb. They don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> they don't know sign language. And yeah. so that's what really had to sit down and explain to me, like, you know, not everyone's like us. You're different. Mm. You're special. And I was yeah. like, it doesn't make sense. Like, sure. <laughs> the older I've gotten, um, it matters because I didn't realize of being a coda is being a bridge and that mm. I was living in two different cultures that I had you know no idea that deaf sure. people have a culture and hearing people have a culture mm. um and the best way to describe the deaf culture is if you know and I know that you know um educate me as if I don't because our listeners don't all know yeah that's true <laughs> like Hispanic culture you know like um you're very close knit within your family. So deaf culture, mm-hmm. you know, you're very close. You're a tight yeah. community. Um, you seek help from one another. Um, sometimes there's a lot of TMI, too much information. Um, like for example, like a cultural etiquette norm would be if you had to go to the restroom. Mm. You know, normally in our hearing culture, we just get up and go. We don't really show sure. um, unless you know you're a parent or like your child has to go to the bathroom. Anyways. Um, but in deaf culture, you would let people around, you know, Hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom, mm. um, in which in hearing culture, you don't necessarily have to do. It's probably kind of considered inappropriate just to sure. let people know, but in deaf culture, if something were to happen, if there was a fire, if there was an yeah. alarm or, you know, if you don't come back, you know, where is that person? We know that information because it's sure. easier to find you if something were to happen. Um, sure. so, oh, well, so-and-so went to the bathroom. So things like mm. that, I hope that makes sense, you know, yeah. in the culture cultural aspect yeah. of deaf culture, but just being very close, um, knowing a lot of information, sharing a lot of information, sharing resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't matter whenever, like whenever we've traveled around the world and yeah. we've run into deaf people who um, we ran into, we were in Italy, so we were in Venice and we ran into this, this deaf couple and yeah. it was so amazing because we automatically connected. Yes, mm-hmm. there was a language barrier because yeah. they knew Italian sign language and we yeah. knew American sign language, which there are <laughs> different sign languages around the world. Yes. Um, that's why it's American sign language. Yes. Um, which there is a side note there. They have like a universal sign language, which they're working on. By oh, the I didn't know that. <laughs> that's new information. I, I forgot like the proper term at this time, but it's just more certain signs that everyone's starting to kind of use sure. but just interacting with a deaf person no matter mm-hmm. where they're from you instantly yeah. have that connection of yeah. oh I'm deaf you're deaf or mm-hmm. you have deaf parents you're a coda you you yep. understand part of our lives and our yeah. culture what we go through and so those yeah. connections are so deep and mm-hmm. so precious yeah. um so it, it matters because we're able to be a bridge between hearing mm-hmm. and the deaf and yeah. to be able to understand a little bit of both, mm-hmm. but I guess the drawback of it is being a coda. Sometimes we don't feel like we fit sure. in one culture or the other. We're kind of like stuck in the middle 
or yeah. we feel like we're more you know we fit more in the deaf culture or we fit more in the hearing culture um, sure. so a lot of codas and even sometimes you know me like I feel lost among among just all yeah. of it but the thing that bridge is what matters and mm-hmm. what what the Lord has given me purpose in yeah. to educate um you know to explore it's just it's been such a blessing yeah I've run into deaf people in other countries as well um and you taught me ASL actually you were one of the people who did um and so it is that same moment of like we can sort of communicate we can sort of not communicate but sometimes I actually find that I can communicate better with a deaf person than a hearing person in another country. Yes, absolutely. And I've, even if that person's hearing, I start mm-hmm. pulling out my gestures and my signs and yeah. we get by with communication. <laughs> and it's right. Fantastic, right. Yeah, exactly. It goes a long way. So what is it like living in that multicultural family? Can you talk a little bit about that experience and about the bridge experience? Yeah. So, um, like I had mentioned earlier, just having to educate people mm-hmm. um, and being like, why, why do deaf people have long goodbyes? Why mm-hmm. is it that, you know, we said, okay, we got to go. And that was 30 minutes to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, things like that. So that, you yep. know, the multicultural, um, just for me, it just kind of, you know, trickles into hearing culture and when I talk, I probably give way more detail than I need to, but that's mm-hmm. because in ASL, you sign mm-hmm. more detail. You, you give more information than what yep. it needs because you want to see the whole picture. Yeah. So, you know, if someone were to ask, you know, even me, because this is such a strong deaf influence, how are you? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, let me tell you last week, <laughs> my car broke down and blah, 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 blah. But today I'm great because my car is fixed. So I have to start from the beginning of that story to explain why today is such a great day because it hasn't been or all these things happen and things like that. So it's just, um, I don't know if that was answering your question, (laughs) you know, giving more detail, um, just the multicultural is such a rich experience because I'm just able, it's just a blessing to be able to sure to know more things and to be able to help more people and to educate. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, what I do um, part as an interpreter, I yeah. am able to help be that bridge and mm-hmm. accessing communication um, yeah. outside of being an interpreter, like with it, within my family. So um, I have to be an advocate and to empower um, my family to be sure. able to you know, make sure their needs are met and to encourage them. Um, Um, since you mentioned being an interpreter, we're gonna take a little bit of a sidestep and you're, you like educating. So if someone's working with an interpreter and that's not something that's normal for them, what advice do you have? So the advice for someone working with an interpreter for the very first time is to not address me (laughs) as the interpreter. So you would speak first person, um, to your deaf, client to your consumer to your patient and just saying hi you know hi Katie how are you today and not being like please tell her how is she doing today Mm. Um, you just speak in first person look them in the eye and don't really acknowledge the interpreter yes that's nice but like hi thanks for being here and then you know go ahead and move forward with your appointment or that purpose but I think a lot of people feel uncomfortable because they're like I'm not really quite sure who to talk to or 
how do you do this? It's just having a normal conversation mm-hmm. and someone else is just, you know, facilitating it easily. Yeah. Um, and like spoken languages where someone is translating, you have to have that pause mm-hmm. and that waiting for that translation. But with, you know, sign language, you can do it like all at the same time, mm-hmm. um, which makes things feel a little bit easier. I, from my perspective, for sure. So, yeah, for someone working with an interpreter, again, you just speak to the deaf person, um, look them in the eye, and yeah, yeah, simple as that. I know it may feel a little, you know, off because people are used to watching someone speak or talk and, mm-hmm. you know, making eye contact, so you do it opposite. <laughs> yeah. And it's a little unnatural, to be honest, like I sign, so I know this and I've been around different interpreters in different situations for a long time. But I had a moment not that long ago where I wasn't sure who was the person I was supposed to be working with and who was the interpreter and trying to figure that out and then do the eye contact directly once I figured it out was actually way more difficult than I thought it would be. Wow. Yeah. So to be able to help, you know, when I go in in situations, I'll be like, hi, I, for example, if I go into a doctor's office, I walk in and I say, hey, you know, I'm your interpreter. Mm-hmm. Because they're the ones that don't know sign language. Yes. They're the ones that need access versus, yep. you know, I'm here to interpret for this person because they don't speak English. Like, no, like you're the yep. one that doesn't know sign language. So I'm yep. here to help give you the information to access communication with this person who has yeah. a different language. So that changes the game because they're mm-hmm. like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You are here for us. You're not here for them. You're yeah. not that person's interpreter. You're our interpreter. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, flipping the table, like, mm-hmm. you know, flipping that perspective. Um, but yeah, I would go in and obviously I would introduce myself to everyone. Sure. Hi, I'm the interpreter. So no yep. one would go in and feel confused, like, wait, who, who's who? What's and going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. On? And, um, and I love it, love it when the deaf consumer or like even my family or just whoever, if I'm helping out. Um, they, they would do the introductions. Mm. Hi, I'm, you know, my name is blah, blah, blah. And this is, you know, your interpreter to be yeah. able to communicate with me. So it's, it's beautiful when I see those moments of the deaf person, you yeah. know, kind of own, owning it in some way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's super helpful. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about um, just the way that communication has changed, even in our lifespan. Um, I share this story periodically and you would remember better than I do, but even when we were in college, like FaceTime didn't exist, Skype didn't exist, Zoom didn't exist. So like, what did communication look like at that point when you were away from home talking to your parents and what does it look like now? Oh my goodness. Thanks for asking that question because we have come such a long way. Um, so when I was little, we had this device called a TTY it's a teletype machine, a TTY. So someone, um, a deaf person would have a TTY and they would call a relay service. And on that other side would be an operator who has their own TTY. And then they would be on the telephone with the hearing person. And so um, whenever I would have to call home, I would have to call through an interpreter. Um, and the interpreter would type out exactly what I'm saying, like, hi, mom, dad, you know, I'm going to stay after school. Can you pick me up at four? And I just remember having to call and go up to the mm-hmm. school office and call and talk to an interpreter. So like, yeah, that was a, a different experience for me as a CODA. Like 
growing up having to kind of talk to someone else through phone calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Unless I had my own TTY, yep. you know, to type back and forth directly to each other, kind of like sure. back in the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> messenger, Facebook Messenger now, you know what sure. I mean? Like just typing. Um, so that's what we had when I was little. Mm-hmm. And then once I got into college, we had this wonderful, and we're still used today, the video phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're able to kind of like Zoom. It's a very similar experience, except for this was only on the television. And you had to have this device with a camera on top of your TV. Yep. And had a phone number, um, and you would call through video phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I did not have access to my video phone, then I, my parents had that video phone number. So I would just call them on the phone. And then the interpreter would be on the phone with me and the interpreter could see my parents, you know, mm-hmm. at their house yeah. and yeah. use sign language to communicate, which mm-hmm. was a huge thing because with the TTY, you had to use, you know, English, right? You had to type it out in grammar yeah. and a lot of deaf, um, but not, not all, but some deaf did not feel comfortable in using English, yeah. because it's not their first language. Um, yeah. But whenever these videos came out, it was just such a revolution of mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness, this is, this, this is comfort yeah. because I'm able, I'm able to use my language. I'm able mm-hmm. to use sign language and to get, you know, to make sure that communication is absolutely clear. Yeah. Um, so having that video phone was amazing because I could have direct, you know, yes. two of my parents and not mm-hmm. have to rely on an interpreter to communicate. For right. Or yeah. Three, yeah. Or snail mail, you know, things like that. Right. Um, But yeah, technology has now Mm -hmm. FaceTime and a Facebook messenger video, Instagram, like all that made it so much easier for me as Mm -hmm. a coach to communicate with my parents and not have to go through someone else. Because it is sometimes very uncomfortable when you're like having to tell the interpreter, mom, can you come pick me up? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm vomiting everywhere. Like, to like tell people all that, you know, right. um, mm-hmm. why do I need to pick you up? And then you have to share details. And right. <laughs> I'm sure that interpreter is like, oh my goodness, but just go uh, get your kid. <laughs> so, yeah. so um, it has, communication has changed. Yeah. And a quick side note, yeah. um, we can go in more on this, mm-hmm. but I am actually um, a mama of a deaf daughter. Oh, really? Um, yes. So I have two children and my yep. daughter Eden is deaf. Okay. Three years old. And then yeah. my baby boy, who's three months, Silas, he is a coda. So he okay. Is, um, yeah. And so I remember telling my parents, you know, hey, Eden is deaf. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were shocked, even though we all knew there was always a possibility. Sure. They were shocked, like, wow, we have a deaf granddaughter. Sure. Um, and they were just so thankful of this time and age of where technology and mm. is a, a bit more easier for her yeah. was for them before. Sure. sure. So, so thankful for all these avenues of communication. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when we were at Gardner Webb, it was a big deal that there was like a video phone in the basement of the library to be yeah. able to use. And I remember being at a deaf event when they had just become like more portable. And I remember asking the deaf person on the other end of the phone who was homebound. I was like, what are your thoughts on the video phone? Like, how does it work? And it's like all clunky. And we're like trying to sign and you're like missing half the signs. And I loved his response because he's like, well, if my other choice is just sit here and not talk to anyone, I love it. 
but, and you like, it just kind of hung in the air. Like there's a long way to go. Um, but he was able to communicate. Like I never would have met him otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, okay. if you don't mind, chat a little bit about what it's like now to be the parent of a deaf child. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, when we first found out she was deaf, it was really a shocker. It was mm. like, wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, as a coda, and this is really personal, and I don't think I've shared it with many people, but like, I am the one that grew up around deaf adults. Mm. You know, I'm the one that, you know, grew up just within the culture. But yeah. now it's, I'm responsible for a deaf little girl to, yeah. you know, to raise her, you know, not yeah. only know the Lord, but to empower her as a deaf woman. Mm. And she grows up how to, yeah. you know, advocate, hey, I mm. need an interpreter. You know, I need these things. And yeah raise a little girl like that is such an honor and it's also scary sure. <laughs> I'm like I don't know how to do this like um yeah. and of course my husband is wonderful I mean I'm so thankful that she has a deaf father to look, yeah. up, look up to she has deaf grandparents to look mm-hmm. up to um and we have friends that we're surrounded by so I'm just sure. thankful that she was born within our family to where yeah um it, it'll be a little bit easier for mm-hmm. her. I don't know if that was appropriate to say, but um, yeah. she has that access to her. She has family. a community. Mm-hmm. She has that community Yeah. versus a lot of deaf children. 90% of them are born to hear in family. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that high. Yeah. And they don't know what to do. And the first people they meet are in the medical community. Um, sure. And, you know, kind of a lot of families' responses are, well, how do we fix this? Mm. You know, how, how can we make our child here? And it's scary. And yeah. even though for me as a mom, who's a CODA, who has experience, it was scary because it's like, there are challenges yeah. being a deaf person. And as a CODA, you know, I grew up seeing my parents face so many barriers and frustrations. And, you know, that's, I don't, I don't want to use the word drawback, but that's just, it's a burden, mm. not, not a burden, but like it hurt, it hurts my heart to see yeah. the struggle of yeah. my parents, to see the struggle, you know, of my husband and like, you know, the struggle that my daughter's already facing within the school system. Yeah. It's hard watching that, but at the same time, the Lord has equipped us to mm. stand strong yeah. and, you know, to, to empower and to educate mm-hmm. and to fight for equality and access. Um, yeah. Because, you know, that famous quote, you know, the only thing, you know, a deaf person is they can't hear, but yeah. they can do anything. They can do anything except for here. Yeah. Um, I can Jordan. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, you can be a doctor, you can yeah. fly planes, like you don't necessarily, I mean, we live in an audio centric world. We do. And so people don't realize you can do things without hearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, yeah, so as a coda and being able to raise a deaf daughter along with my deaf husband, it is an honor and a privilege. And like, I'm floored that, you know, I have that blessing. Yeah. And now I have a blessing of having a little coda. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, our household is split. We have two codas and two deaf. Wow. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, man, what a fun multicultural family we have. No kidding. (laughs) That's awesome. So, okay. I want to, clarify and make sure you understand because your parents are deaf. You're considered a coda. Um, because Alan is deaf. Your kids are considered a coda. Is Eden considered a coda being deaf or is she just considered deaf? She's 
he is just considered deaf. I know okay. that, that was a question whenever I worked in Puerto Rico as a missionary. Yeah. When I was living there, I was um, the director of Deaf and Coda Children and Teens Ministry. Okay. And so we did have that question. Well, if a deaf child had deaf parents, you know, same question you ask. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're deaf and their experience sure. is different compared to a child who has, you know, two or one deaf parent. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter how many deaf parents a CODA has. Right. Okay. doesn't matter. So if you have one or, or both. Or both. Okay. And then let's kind of backtrack a little bit. What if a family is in that 90% of hearing families and they have a deaf child? Like, do you have any advice for that moment of, oh my gosh, I never saw this coming? Well, first of all, take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> Your child is going to be okay. Um, like I said, because our world is such audio centric, yeah. a lot of people panic and think, well, how can we fix it? Sure. But what I really encourage parents is, is to embrace your child and mm. their deafness or their, you know, their hard of hearing, their hearing sure. loss. Um, sure. Your child is capable. Mm-hmm. They can do the things. Give yep. them all the resources, which yep. includes American Sign Language. Yeah. Um, a lot of, you know, medical people and some families, they truly believe, oh, we need to teach our child how to speak, you know, Mm. how to listen, let's, you know, give the hearing aids and the cochlear implants in which, you know, it's each family's decision. Um, For us, our family was to, you know, not put hearing aids on our daughter, not to do the cochlear implant, but to just immerse her in American Sign Language because, you know, our family's equipped that way. Um, But, you know, if you, if, if that family decides to do hearing aids or a cochlear implant, I strongly encourage or if they're deaf and you're not going to give them any aids, learn sign language on top of learning English as a grammar, mm-hmm. or if you're trying to teach them spoken English, um, yeah. there's nothing wrong with being, you know, bilingual, mm-hmm. trilingual, multilingual. Right. Um, but I think a lot of families' fears is how am I going to communicate with my child? Mm. I encourage them, do what it takes to communicate with your child, learn yeah. sign language, yeah. um, so that's my biggest encouragement and it's a lot of fun and it brings, it opens up your world to a whole other mm-hmm. world. For sure. Deaf culture and it is beautiful, yeah. and wild and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's yeah. my encouragement. Yeah, that's yeah. good. If someone wants to learn ASL, do you know good resources for them to get started? Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> Google is a great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, look up Gallaudet University. They have some American sign language classes that they offer. Um, A lot of states, depending, I know that here in South Carolina, we have the South Carolina School for the Deaf who offer sign language um, Mm -hmm. for parents who have deaf children, or um, if someone works in the, in the community and they want to learn sign language, you can Mm -hmm. sign up to take ASL classes. Um, Alabama has a strong, you know, um, it's called the real program. It's the the regional early acquisition of language. Mm. Um, so they're based out of Alabama and they work with families who have deaf children okay. and they will set you up with a deaf mentor to learn sign language. So, I mean, there are different avenues depending if you are, you know, a parent of a deaf child or if mm-hmm. you're just in the community and you want to learn sign language, check out your local colleges, universities. Yeah. Um, I strongly suggest learning that mm-hmm. way through the education yeah. instead of just finding 
YouTube is a great resource, but you have to be very careful who you look up because some For people sure. do not know the right signs. <laughs> right. Um, but look up the ones that are, you know, accredited um, to Gallaudet University mm-hmm. or to a school for the deaf and things like that. Just look for those labels. Never yeah. use to look up a class for sign yeah. language. What's the importance of learning from someone who is deaf or like a CODA or just a hearing person who teaches ASL? So the biggest emphasis is learning from someone who is native in that language. Um, you know, like we, Katie and I, we, you know, we've learned Spanish <laughs> and we love Spanish language, but are we equipped to teach it? No, we're not. We're not natives of it. Um, right. you know, I mean, maybe we could be a Spanish teacher within the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder the views of, you know, from the Hispanic community on that. Yeah, good question. But with the deaf um, culture and the deaf community, they're huge advocates of letting the deaf teach their, their language. Yeah. So definitely um, learn from a deaf adult. Um, CODA, it, you know, kind of depends. Um, the com- some of the community accepts that, you know, okay. because we're part of the community. We're kind of sure. a part of that inner circle of, you know, the deaf community. Um, yeah. So if, if you get acceptance from <laughs> sure. the community, um, yep. but I strongly suggest, you know, learning from a deaf individual. Um, yeah. There are some incredible hearing teachers out there who sure. teach language. Um, but that's more kind of reserved for like interpreting and things like that yeah. um, with that mode or how to handle cultural things. And the deaf can do that too. Yeah, but. for sure. For sure. Um, so what do you wish everyone knew about CODA life? <laughs> CODA life. Oh goodness. That's a great question that we don't, we may seem quirky. <laughs> <laughs> quirky because we kind of, you know, live in between different worlds. Yeah. Um, but as a CODA, we have a lot to give and, Mm -hmm. um, we have such a rich experience and, um, have a lot of empathy. Um, you know, I'm speaking for myself. I'm just kind of like being able to see firsthand the experiences that, Mm -hmm. um, deaf people go through, your family go through. Um, I've, you know, interpreted things that I probably shouldn't have interpreted for when I was Mm -hmm. a little girl. Yeah. But thankfully, awareness is being made now through the hospital system and doctor's offices of saying, don't let your family member interpret for you and doctor's mm-hmm. appointments and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, ask us, we're a resource. And yeah, sometimes we may get a little weary of people asking us sure. this questions, especially, I think just bringing out the awareness. I don't know if you all know about the new movie Coda who won an Oscar. I have seen it. Yes. So this is like very timely of all the things, but um, I really encourage everyone to watch that movie Coda. Mm -hmm. Um, There may be some things in there that are not appropriate. So, you know, (laughs) there's some language (laughs) in there warning everybody, but it kind of gives kind of a a, a peek in of what a Coda life is, a peek in to what deaf people experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, I just, yeah go watch the movie and okay. that kind of help of, but we, we have a lot to offer in this world and we're blessed, sure. um, that we're able to, to experience a life as a co mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that answer. And I did enjoy the movie. <laughs> awesome. How can I, as a hearing white woman, be supportive of my CODA or of my deaf friends and family members? I don't have any family members, but we'll pretend I did. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, 
how you guys can be supportive is supporting deaf businesses, supporting, mm. you know, sign language, learn sign language, yeah. learn the basics, learn how to sign your name. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just learn some signs, um, you know, coming from someone who has deaf parents and now having a deaf daughter of my own, mm-hmm. you showing that you want to learn sign language and are interested in communication just yeah. makes it makes me happy and it makes mm-hmm. my parents, you know, feel honored that people are taking the time to really acknowledge them and yeah. like, Oh, you know, I learned some signs. I want to introduce myself and, you know, learn sign language. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the biggest things. Again, like I said, support deaf businesses. Yeah. You know, a lot of the shirts that have like the, I love you symbol and yes. things like that, um, which Amazon has a lot of cute stuff, but it's better to buy those things from the deaf because that's their language so you know instead of a hearing person taking you know Mm. these symbols and these signs and making a profit off their language or a hearing person you know teaching a sign language class and getting paid for it that's kind of like no we need to give back to the deaf community I don't know if that makes sense but just in supporting having a deaf teacher you Mm -hmm. know learning sign language um just being an advocate and you know understand Hey, mm-hmm. you know, I want to communicate with them, like just be open to the deaf culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's really fun to see, like we've chatted about my ASL is not what it used to be, but it's still above just like, I can do more than fingerspell my name, right? Like mm-hmm. I can still communicate and to be able to approach a deaf person and be like, Hey, I'm not an interpreter. I'm not licensed. I'm hundred percent hearing, but I can sign and just watching their face light up with my crummy, like not so great sign language, it makes the world of difference. And so obviously we use a professional interpreter in a professional setting, but we can break down that barrier of being able to communicate. And then the interpreter takes it even further. Yes. Yes. Because, you know, whenever you're going to a place, you know, let's say as a perspective, we go into the store Mm -hmm. and everyone in that store speaks a different language. You know, and so like automatically you you already feel intimidated. You're like, oh yeah. my gosh, like how am I gonna ask for what I need? Like you're mm-hmm. already you already have your guard up. But whenever you discover, oh, someone speaks my language and they're like, mm-hmm. oh. Yeah. And you feel that sense of, oh, okay, mm-hmm. like someone who understands me a little bit, like someone yeah. I can relate to. So that's yeah. how, you know, that perspective of a deaf person walking up to you or they go into the store and you're like hey and mm-hmm. just automatically just kind of that relief of okay like belonging and like safety if yeah. that makes sense. yeah yeah no it does make sense and I feel the same thing when I'm in a Latin American country even though I speak Spanish if I know somebody speaks English I know it's going to be a whole lot better yes yes absolutely yeah so it goes a long way so learn sign language everybody For it doesn't sure. hurt to learn another language <laughs> it's so much fun to learn another language yeah Hey friend, just interrupting this conversation with Isalise real quick to make sure that you and I have connected on Instagram. Sure, I love Instagram friends just as much as the next person, but that's not actually my point. My point is that I'm about to ask Isalise to pray, and she's going to do so in her first language, which is American Sign Language. And in case you haven't figured it out, this is an audio-centric world, an audio-centric podcast. It's going to be really hard for you to hear her prayer in American Sign Language. However, I will be posting it on Instagram for you to get the full ASL experience. Isalise is an interpreter, and so she is interpreting for herself, separately recorded from the prayer. 
So you're going to hear it in English on the show. But jump over to Instagram to get the original full ASL experience. So I've got two final questions for you. Um, the first one, would you be comfortable praying for us? I'd love to. Cool. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to talk to Katie. It was so much fun just talking about being a CODA and that experience and about deaf culture. It's such an honor, Lord. And growing up, I didn't quite understand why me. Why is being a CODA so special? And Lord, you just continue to reveal your purpose within me. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. And again, um, for people who are listening and watching this podcast, thank you for all your blessings and help everyone um, want to be included and involved in learning sign language. You are so good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That was awesome. Um, So our last question is kind of a fun one. If you could be any inanimate object, what would you be and why? <laughs> oh my goodness. Ooh, a camera. Ooh. Ooh. Camera. So I can just freeze those memories into, oh. into you know, to place. Love it. Yeah. To be able to Hold capture on. all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Capture it, breathe it in, oh. and just let it soak in. Mm. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, Isalise, thank you so much for your time today, for being willing to share your story and your perspective, to educate us all, um, and to to be the beautiful woman that you are. I love how God has created you to be that bridge between the two, and it's something that you do so well, to be the bridge both between the deaf and the hearing culture, but then also to be the bridge to all the other cultures that you've engaged with, because I know that when you're traveling, you're not just going to be there as a tourist to spend a bunch of money and pour into the economy, which is important. You're going to be there to invest in the locals, to be invest in the people, to find the small business, to support, to help be part of, was it a, a camp in Puerto Rico, um, to that church community and just the way that you invest so missionally minded. And then to now get to be the mother of a deaf daughter. Like I can't think of a better family for Eden mm-hmm. to have surrounding her as she grows up to look at what does it mean to be an empowered deaf woman. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you so much. As always, a big thanks for listening. I hope you love Isalise as much as I do. She is so much fun in real life and in the episode. I'm so glad she was willing to come share her story. And I hope that there's something in there that made you think. I hope you learned something. I hope you see things a little bit differently. And I'm going to leave you with the challenge to take a look at your world and see who are the other bridge people in your world, people with one foot on each side who don't quite fit in either world and don't quite fit in both. What does it look like to make sure you're being inclusive of them? Is there space for you to hear their story as well? And then also take a look at what are some things that you can do to be more inclusive of everybody. We live in an audio-centric world. What does it look like to make sure that everything is accessible? I'm very well aware that Have Hope Will Travel is an audio podcast. And to make sure that we're accessible and inclusive, we have a transcript of every single episode. It's been one of our values since the beginning. It's not easy, but it's worth it 100% of the time. So what's a step you can take today to be more inclusive? Look up those free classes from Gallaudet University. 
Did you know it's the only university in the world for deaf and hard of hearing students? Watch the movie Coda. It's available on Apple TV+. Hire an actual interpreter. Don't expect a family member to translate. Pay attention to your bridge people. Make sure that they know that they are seen and they're supported. Relatively little things that we can do to make the world a better place for everyone. My friend, you matter. You are seen, you are known, you are loved, and you are living a story worth telling. We will see you again in two weeks.